I see it. I see it's now the red dots blinking. Well, yeah, um, the red dot is blinking. Um, are you hosting or am I hosting? I mean, you're hosting. Okay. Well, then, welcome to Fermenting Grape Juice from Cordova Church of the Nazarene. That was like the, I don't know, there was probably that day we missed. We need a, we need a better name. I realized that. I was the one who suggested it, but I'm glad it's a placeholder. <laughs> yeah, if, if you're listening to this on Spotify, at least, I've got a really great uh, old-timey picture of a little girl holding a Welch's grape juice bottle. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, fermenting grape juice where we hash over the leftovers of our Sunday morning service and um, allow it to sort of settle in slightly more deeply to our hearts and minds. So uh, Pastor Cody and I, uh, I'm Pastor Jeff, and we are from Cordova Church of the Nazarene in Sacramento, California, right on the edge of Rancho Cordova, um, if you don't know. And we're going to go ahead and talk about uh, the sermon yesterday, uh, how it went, and uh, what we thought maybe was what was good and uh, what could have used some work. <laughs> so, um, of course, that's not the point. Preaching is not, it's, it's you know, it's not like... Uh, it's not a work of art so much as it is, um, although there's an art to it, but it's really just, it's, it's about encountering Christ. And so we want to talk about that encounter, both in the preparation and then also the delivery of the word and the hearing of it, the receiving of it. So anyway, here we are. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, no, the, yesterday, the, the text for it was um, Luke 2, 41 to 52, did I get all those verses right? Yeah, the story of um, the boy Jesus going to the temple with his family um, and then being found there after they leave. So, I mean, I guess I guess the question with all of this is, Pastor Jeff, as you were preparing for this, what, what would you say um, in listening to this passage, this story, one story that we kind of get of Jesus's childhood. Um, what did you, in what ways did you see this spirit? Did you, did you see the spirit? Did you see this, um, this passage pushing people? Um, where do you think that this passage really spoke into people's lives, particularly those at Cordova here? Yeah. So the phrase, the, the phrase that came my way, I felt like, um, as I was reflecting on this, I, the temptation with this passage and a lot of the passages in the gospel that are familiar is to think of them as kind of cute. Um, and this one in particular, because it's about Jesus's youth and we just go, Oh Jesus, what a scamp you were, you know, um, you little rascal. Uh, and, and I just think that's the wrong, you know, uh, that's not what the, that's not what the gospels are trying to do, right? Um, we, we write books about people to try to kind of expose their personality, allow you to get to know them, all of that. Um, and 
but the gospels are not that kind of book where it's like, I just, I want you to feel like, you know, Jesus, like he's your best friend or something like that. Um, they, they want us to encounter him as the Messiah, as you know, the sort of the conquering savior uh, who, who conquers through love and not through violence um, as the fulfillment of Israel's hope as uh, the one who catches up everything that Israel's looking forward to and also explodes that out into all nations. So um, the thing that I, um, that really sort of captured my attention um, was the, I guess kind of the disobedience of Jesus. Uh, so you have on the one hand in this passage, a couple of really interesting things. Um, the one is that Jesus is obviously in some ways disobeying his parents, right? <laughs> I mean, he's presented as somebody who has higher knowledge, all these kinds of things. And he's obviously going, you know, okay, I'm not going to go home with you. I'm going to stay here. Um, and, and I'm going to hang out here for half a week on my own. Um, and then at the end of the passage, it says he went home and was submissive to them. Right. So there's this kind of like dichotomy, these, these two sides that seem incompatible. Like, is this, is he submissive? Um, or is he, is he kind of a, a rebel or a rule breaker here? Is this Jesus's rebellious phase? Um, as a 12 year old. Um, and, and the answer of course is yes, he is submissive to them. Uh, but of course he's most submissive to his father. Um, and so you almost might be able to kind of go the direction of like, this is like Jesus's civil disobedience moment. Um, as a, as a child, um, he obviously has his rebellious preteen for all those listening. Right. Right. That are, that are rebellious preteens. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but what's going on, he's, he's obeying a kind of higher law, um, I guess, uh, in, in the sense of he's, his first priority is his relationship with his sort of capital F father, um, you know, his true father, the father, God, and he's, he's seeking him out every chance that he gets. Um, in every way that he gets and growing up in Nazareth, he doesn't always get the opportunity to hang out in the temple and to be there and to worship and to study and to ask questions and to, you know, so, um, so I'm struck by that kind of like the two sides of that. Jesus is sort of uh, uh, pushing the boundaries of what obedience looks like. And then it actually saying that he really was submissive and, and the thing that that kind of got me thinking about was, and I used the phrase at some point that to let the spirit loose in your life, right? Um, um, that, that we so often have a really kind of boxed in and limited picture of what it is that God wants to do in and through us. Um, and, and if we are really bold enough uh, to let the spirit loose, um, to let the spirit really and truly challenge us in, in some hard ways. Um, and then not only to challenge us, but if we are, if we would be so bold as to let the spirit empower us to do, uh, some things, I think we would be amazed at what God would actually, uh, accomplish in us. 
So uh, I guess that's what I was, that's what I was sort of wrestling with. If we were willing, like the 12 year old Jesus, if we were willing to follow the higher law, um, you know, to seek the father above all things, even if that looked like disobedience, right? Even if that looked like being unsubmissive, um, we're willing to sort of say, I'm going to follow God the Father, or I'm going to follow the Lord um, above all things. And then, um, you know, and then I'm going to turn around and I'm going to be submissive. <laughs> it's like, um, I'm going to, I'm going to go from that, um, that kind of seeking out the higher law to saying, um, you know, what are the authorities that you put in my life? And as much as I can, much as they don't contradict with you, Lord, um, I'm going to do exactly what they asked me to do. So uh, that's where I'm, I don't know how clear that is. I don't think that's eight words or less, um, but that's my, um, uh, I think that was, that's what I was wrestling with this week. I, yeah, wonderful. Um, and, and I, and I think I, I had heard that. Now, one of the really interesting things, and this is actually a part where you really got me um, I think especially uh, reflecting on a few things, but, but you really spent some time, um, and, and I think you just kind of had said there a moment ago that what we see here in this story, it, it's kind of a, you know, in miniature or um, in this wonderful kind of tracing outline foreshadowing. Um, you, you point out a lot of the um, similarities, the continuity between what happens here with Jesus and then ultimately um, in his crucifixion, his death, and his resurrection. There's, there's a lot of parallels. They're very striking. Um, why, why did you find that? What, what, what kind of, what were you hoping to, as you sort of laid that out here? What was, how was that? Um, yeah, well, maybe to just rehash it just a touch. Um, the, the parallel was between Jesus, Jesus's birth story, especially as Luke presents it, um, which has all kinds of parallels with his burial, like you just said, um, you know, from being, the bones were often placed in a stone box and the manger was very likely made of stone. And then, and then the, the, the stable that we think of was probably not like a gazebo looking thing so much as it was a, a cave um, in the side of a hill um, and you've got him wrapped in the cloths you've got the spices that come the frankincense and the myrrh which sort of parallel the spices as a burial all of that so um, so that's all going on and then in this text um, there's a lot of verbal parallels or narrative parallels with the resurrection story he's being sought out right for three days it says um, and then Jesus's words, even when he finally gets found by his parents are very close to the words that the angel at the tomb says, you know, he says, why were you seeking me? And the angel says, why are you seeking the living among the dead? Um, and there's also a parallel in Luke between being lost. To be lost is to be dead. To be found is to be alive. And you can look at like the prodigal son in Luke 15 for that. Um, uh, what else? Um, oh, I, I love the, the parallel. Um, I didn't invent these, obviously. These are from a commentary, but uh, Mary's line here um, at the end of the story is she, she 
treasured all these things. The word again is rhema or chrema. Um, it has that that little um, I forget what that's called backwards apostrophe in Greek that's like an H sound. Um, so it has the, the, the rhema, which can be either words or it can be things. Um, so she pondered, she treasured all these things up and pondered them in her heart, right? She sort of held them close to her. Um, and then the women, after they encounter Jesus in the resurrection story in Luke, they have a very similar thing that it says. It says they treasured all of these words or things. Um, so, so again, you've got these parallels between the searchers for Jesus. Um, what was your question? <laughs> I think I lost. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, part of it was that. Part of it was, yeah. Why did you? Why did you? Or, or um, what were you hoping? Um, as you kind of pointed out, and you found those similarities there. What did? What did you see ultimately? What did you hope people found with with being able to discover and have that revealed? Right. Yes. Thank you. Um, so um i think so part of what i was hoping there for us to see and what i maybe didn't communicate super clearly is that the temple where jesus is found is obviously a very significant place it's a very significant place for israel um it's even a very significant place for jesus's ministry and and the fact that that's the first place that we see him, in fact, this is the only story we get of his childhood, right? Other than his like infancy. And then we get the Magi story when he's about two years old. Um, and then this is the only other story other than him being, you know, circumcised and things. Um, so it's significant that we don't see him at his house in Nazareth, right? We don't see him sitting in, you know, Torah school. We don't see him playing with his friends. We don't see him skipping rocks on a pond. We encounter him in the temple, um, that very place where God met man. Um, and so part of what I hope us to see is that just as God was determined to meet humanity in the temple um, in Jerusalem, the tabernacle that he gave to Moses. Um, so God is even now determined to meet us in Jesus Christ. And so as we come to encounter Jesus, we actually meet the God of the universe, right? And this is not something that we should be taking lightly. Um, this is something that we ought to take with the utmost seriousness, the utmost respect, um, and the utmost joy that God would pour himself out in such a way that we would actually be able to encounter him um, is a little, um, it's, it's deeply humbling um, because again, kind of going back to that idea that we need to let the spirit loose. Um, we didn't do anything to make that happen. <laughs> you know, we just, um, it did happen. And then we're just on the hook to either respond to it or reject it. Um, and, and so obviously I hope that we're responding well to it. Um, but, but that's the key is that we meet, we meet the God of the universe in this Jesus. And uh, he becomes this major motif, this theme in the new Testament, he becomes the new temple um, 
I had even thought at some point, I don't think I went there, but of course there's the, um, there's the line in Revelation, the end of Revelation, the new Jerusalem comes down and there's this description of this great and mighty city of God that is, um, you know, there's all of these descriptions of its beauty and its majesty and its glory and all of these things. And if you're a first or second century Jew, you're kind of going, okay, and where's the temple, <laughs> right? Where's the temple? And, and then you, John, who's writing Revelation says, and there is no temple <laughs> because there is no mediated presence between God and humanity. We actually have God. We actually have God himself in Jesus. Um, and, and I think, you know, so often that's, that's just too radical a word for so many of us. Um, it's too radical a word that, um, that God would be poured out in all of his fullness into us, into our lives, uh, into our world, um, through scripture, um, through the worship that we have, uh, but then also just through our ability and capacity to interact with one another, that I can, by the grace of God, encounter Jesus in you. Um, not because there's anything special about you, um, but because God has poured himself out. And if you're willing to respond to that, um, and I'm willing to receive it, then I really do truly encounter the Lord there. Um, so uh, I, I'm sort of struck by that. I don't know how to make that practical, um, except it ought to knock us out of our seat every day um, that we have such a privilege. Um, and and it should just kind of blow us away and, and create in us a sense of wonder and joy, I think. Um, so, and I, you know, our, yeah, I, I shouldn't ramble on. I'll let you. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, I've, I found myself in two particular directions. Um, you know, one of the things that struck me about this passage was, um, obviously, yeah, when you were talking about the higher law, Jesus kind of being, um, being able to see how everything is made relative in light of who his capital F father was. And, you know, speaking of the temple, it's, it is interesting to me, as you pointed out, that where Christ goes to seek being in the presence of his father is in this place, which is, you know, and he'll later on, uh, famously, in the triumphal entry, there will be a cursing um, of, of the temple and, and just the way that it's now become kind of this, you know, as he calls the den of robbers from Jeremiah. Um, and yet, nevertheless, he, as he seeks after the presence of the Lord um, and, and being able to grow in grace and, and maturity there, um, there's this commitment to be there for it. Um, I think of kind of what you're asking all of us here, which to me feels a little similar. Um, you know, if, if we're going to let the spirit loose in our lives and there has to be some willingness um, to allow our life to draw closer, draw near to uh, the places that Christ has said that he will be, he will remain, you know, um, that's being able to seek him and what? Well, it's, I mean, how, 
how faithful am I to being present in those spaces of worship? And, and what you find here is, is that Christ is doing more than just fulfilling the obligation, right? This is the after party. This is after um, whatever festival at that moment in time is being celebrated. There's, there's kind of this lingering, this longing, this thirst or this desire um, beyond that moment. Um, he is not only, you know, there's, there's a sense in which he is fulfilling the righteousness that's according to the law, but also overfilling it. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that that's, that's part of the calling here um, is, you know, in what ways am I doing that? Where's, where is kind of the, the gratuity or the access in my life of worship and praise? Well, that's great. I should have said that. <laughs> that's what I heard. So maybe you did <laughs> Uh, you know, at some level, and then I mean, oh man, yeah. I, I mean, for me, the other thing that I guess I, I think was really striking me is obviously this is a we only get a couple of um, sort of uh, moments where you see Jesus interacting with his his blood family, um, you know, parents there, and then mothers, brothers, sisters. Uh, well brothers and brothers or whoever exactly his kinsfolk are. You, you kind of have one or two other, other places there in the gospel. Um, it, it, it's really, and obviously this is a time of year uh, where all of us tend to interact with a lot of our kinsfolk as well. Um, and I think maybe part of what I was, is it's hardest, right? Family is really tricky. Um, family is really tricky. And, and much of the time I just revert to whatever the lowest common denominator of family life is. Um, right, rather than being able to elevate, I feel like in any way, um, the life of faith and discipleship and, and invite my family into it, it just feels like there's a reversion to whatever was in place um, prior to a lot of what I've experienced mm. um, in, in seeking to be more faithful to God. And um, I mean, I probably live a lot like a, a cultural Christian. Maybe that's like being a cultural Jew. I, I don't know in the first century. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, the challenge of this passage is that Jesus, even with his own parents, which I think that's got to be the hardest, um, is, is willing to, I, he, there's a way in which he understands what the end in life, the end and purpose of his life is, uh, and is willing to live that out in, in each and every moment, even with family. Um, so he's so. willing, he's willing to even challenge, um, I, at some point, at some iteration, as I was thinking about this, I had these these kinds of words were coming to mind. Where um, you have a Jesus here, a picture of Jesus who is um, who is willing not only to follow the Father, but he's also at this point leading his mother and and father into faith. Right? Yeah. He he actually makes them better, even though they're already like pious, good, faithful believers, um, hard to say Christians at that point, but, uh, you know, believers in the Lord, um, he makes them better. And, and sometimes for whatever reason with our families, I know for me, it's always, how can I be, you know, not how can I be the best Christian in this context? Um, not how can I lead my sisters and brother and parents and nephews and nieces closer to Christ. Um, but how can I do what I'm obligated to do 
and how can I get them to do what I need them to do, right? How can I get them to be the family members that I need them to be? And so, um, so we, we train on all of these things. And one of the things that we then just avoid is conflict, right? Like I'm, I'm not going to talk about the stuff that matters most to me. Um, I'm not going to talk about my pain. I'm just going to try to guilt everybody into that's kind of the classic one in families, right? I'm not going to say, Hey, I'm lonely and I need my family here with me, especially, you know, this time of year, whatever it is. Um, I'm going to, you know, guilt them into doing what I feel like I need or however that goes. And so we see Jesus not afraid to challenge, not afraid to um, openly call them into deeper fellowship with the Lord um, through his life, through his actions. Um, I think that's, that's a, that's a really wonderful observation. And then the final thing that I think really struck me, and this was as you were going through and again, seeing the, seeing the parallels, the similarities in Jesus's life, um, was, was just, you know, the capacity for a, a kind of, um, you know, faithful, um, eternal, uh, I don't know, soteriological, if I want to use a big word, imagination. Christ here is living in a way that is already anticipating the ultimate end and the purpose, the goal, um, right. the which he sent. Right. So at 12 years old, you're already seeing all these things. And I think for me, maybe part of the question then that asks me is, you know, what is the end, the purpose, the, the mission, which God has set me on? Am I already living? I mean, this is what Christ is doing. Did you not know I'd be in my father's house? Uh, because this is the end of all things um, for, for him. And so, you know, he's living each and every moment, like in some level, like this is kind of the moment that leads up to the last one. Um, and so you're going to, you're going to play like you practice. Right. And that, and so that I, is, that's so, I, that was a theme that was actually kind of under a lot of what I was trying to say. But again, I probably needed 10 more hours to make this the sermon <laughs> it should have been. Um, but, but yeah, is this kind of all of the gospel is so often contained in these little nuggets. Um, and, and when you get the whole thing, you know, you can sort of see the grand sweep of it, but but you want to see also this sort of compressed, um, you, you see it in these compressed moments. And so, um, and I think part of what that says to me, if I can get real practical here, um, <laughs> you know, I just love the literary part of that. I get excited by that. Um, I think there are, there are scholars who call them hyperlinks. It's like when you're reading text on the internet and you can sort like you're reading a Wikipedia article, you know, and there's all the links between to different articles. And so often that's how the Bible is. It's like you're reading down and this little word gets mentioned and you can imagine it sort of hyperlinking back to Isaiah or Ezekiel or Moses or forward to Revelation and just have all of these connections. And I love the connections, but practically speaking, you know, it's not like my life is necessarily building toward crucifixion. Um, it's not like I'm, I'm 33 now, so I'm already behind the ball. I don't have, I'll turn 34 in two months and I probably am not going to get crucified by then. So, 
um, at that point, I'll be beyond where Jesus was, uh, <laughs> crucified at 33. Um, and, but every moment <laughs> is, is sort of, am I looking to, am I looking to, um, to imitate or to, um, am I looking to be shaped by the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ? You know, am I looking to serve people um, with that sort of cross in mind? Am I looking to love people with the cross and the empty tomb in mind? Am I, am I looking to, um, you know, teach and care for? And I mean, all of these things, they, if, if the cross is what I have on my, on my mind, it's going to change the way that I, that I live. And so I hope that's the case. Um, but I do think that there's, there's really something to that kind of compressed nature of the, uh, of the story here. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's okay. No, that, not all. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's all wonderful. I mean, I think that that's all, those were all reflections I had. I mean, and all of them kind of pushed me to, um, uh, you know, I think that coming out of that sermon, I felt somewhat um, inspired um, to, to seek to try to create some more space in my life for those shared times. One of the things I think that's been, um, uh, well, I've really extraordinary, I mean, I've enjoyed a lot. It's been Saturday evening prayer and mm -hmm. trying to find a way to continue to build on that and, and create other times where it's, it's, again, it's sort of through that virtual space that we're offered uh, of allowing people to kind of join in prayer. And so I've been reflecting this week whether um, I could make that possible at another time. Um, and, and I mean, I, and I think that that is kind of trying to, to see Christ is, is he's there in the temple, find ways that he has promised to be amongst his people um, and create some more, you know, I, I, I might be tempted to try to see if I could maybe even incorporate one of those, one of the family devotionals in it, um, mm. which is shorter than the, the formal office, but um, is, is trying to help carve out a little bit more space there. So, yeah, I hope that that seems an adequate response. But that's uh, my reflections. So that's awesome. Well, thank you, thank thank you for listening, um, Pastor Cody. Thank you for questioning me and helping me think better about that. I hope that this all makes me preach better. Um, I hope it makes you preach better, and I hope that it makes us better listeners and hearers of the word um, as we. So we go about our worship and our above all serving the Lord. So um, if you think to like, subscribe, share, review, rate and review um, what we're doing here. And uh, that does help kind of people discover it. And who knows, maybe somebody outside the church will stumble across this and our and be be edified in one way or another. So. All right. Um, take care. We'll see you.